0: at participating napa auto parts stores while supplies last minimum three items exclusions apply offer ends ten you're listening to the locked on nuggets podcast your daily podcast on the denver nuggets now here is your host from denverstiffs.com adam modest What is up, everybody? Welcome to Locked on Nuggets podcast, part of Locked on NBA Network. I'm your host, Adam Modis, from denverstiffs.com, the largest Denver Nuggets blog and community on the web. Check us out. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Let us know what you think of uh, all those platforms as well. Just did a live last night on Instagram Live, doing those every Monday. Those are a lot of fun. Uh, Mailbag Q&A, so if you ever have questions for me, you can submit them to me on Mondays. I'll read them aloud as we do uh, our live Q&A. This episode of the show is going to be about Jamal Murray. If you've been listening, last two episodes, I did one on Juancho Hernan and Gomez and then Wilson Chandler to the two small forwards. Now moving over to the shooting guard position, going to uh, talk about Jamal Murray, or I'm sorry, the point guard position, <laughs> talk about Jamal Murray, who I think um, is probably the single most important player, um, man, it, it really between him and Wilson, I think, but I think Jamal Murray has the wider range of outcomes, potential outcomes this season. So when projecting the Nuggets, uh, you know, how their season is going to go, I think a lot of what you have to start with is how good do you think Jamal Murray can be as a point guard this season? And I think there's a lot of, you know, a a lot of legitimate questions, whether you're optimistic or pessimistic about, uh, about him. I think a lot of it comes down to just kind of faith and feel more than what we actually know, because I think we don't know, a lot more than we know about Jamal Murray at this point, which is, I think, true of almost every single rookie um, or now former rookie. Uh, it's always a small sample size. He got a lot of minutes in last year, but not. he's going to get you know twice the minutes this year, uh, I think, coming up. So there's just a lot that you don't know about him, and he will be such a pivotal part of the Nuggets rotation. I think the expectation is that he is in the driver's seat for the starting job. And if, for whatever reason, he is not starting, uh, coming out of trading camp, you know, to open up the season, if he is not the starting point guard, I think that he is almost certainly going to be the backup. So I think – and play, you know, close to starters minutes. So I think the floor for him minutes-wise this year is pretty high. And, um, you know, it, it's just going to be is he starting or is he coming off the bench? I think he's going to start, but we'll get to that here in a little bit. Um, so it's going to be an interesting year. I think um, – I think what we know about him at the moment, it, this is why I say it's a short list. We know that he's an elite shooter. He didn't have a great shooting year last year uh, from the field, but I think that is absolutely just him being a rookie. I think we all know that he's, a, he's going to be a phenomenal three-point shooter. He shot in the back half of the year, picked up a little bit, but he shot just 33.4% from behind the arc. Um, I think he's going to be a guy that uh, creeps up into the 40% range, if not this year, certainly for most of his career. Um, so we know he's an elite shooter, and we've seen moments he's got that, you know, J.R. Smith, uh, Kyrie Irving type where type shot where he's he. It's possible for him to go off and make like four or five in a row, and I don't think every shooter's that way. I don't know if Gary Harris is that way. You know, Gary Harris has had one or two games where he shoot where he's just like made. He's been unconscious, but I think for the most part he's a very consistent forty percent shooter. He makes four out of ten. He doesn't have these streaks where he makes six, seven in a row too often. I think Jamal Murray is the kind of guy that gets in the zone. Not, I'm not going to say easily, but he gets in the zone more than most. And we saw that with the rookie sophomore game where I think he had nine three-pointers. We saw that in the Chicago Bulls game where I think he had four in like a minute span. So we know that his upside as a shooter is incredibly high. We know he's tough as nails. I think... One of my favorite things about Jamal Murray and he's one of my favorite players on the roster is he's just tough as nails, I think mentally, and then his ability to just kind of overcome pain playing through the the hernia issue that he did all year and, and really playing through without anybody knowing you know from a fan perspective we didn't really hear about that till after the season so I think he's just mentally strong and there's a lot of cool stories about him and and, and the way his father kind of worked with him growing up to kind of overcome some of these mental blocks and stuff. So I think mentally he's going to be a really tough person. And by the way, I'm a big believer in the mental aspect of the game and and the need for players to kind of train mentally. So I'm I'm very intrigued with with how he develops and I'm a lot of my analysis about Jamal Murray and projecting going forward really takes that into account because I think I I project him to reach closer to his ceiling than I think just the average player. And then we know he plays hard. He plays focused. I think he's a competitor. He's a gamer. Um, whatever. Sometimes what he lacks in skill or readiness at the moment, he makes up for in effort. So I think those are the three things we really know about him. What we don't know, can he play the point guard position? I think he has six or seven games where he started as a point guard and played starters minutes as a point guard. That is an incredibly tiny sample size. We really just don't know if he can play point guard. He played shooting guard in college. He played point guard most of his life. But I just don't think there's any comparison between playing point guard at the high school level, even though you're one of, you know, Canada's top players, and you're playing in the AAU circuit against a bunch of other top players. It's not the same as playing against Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul. You know, you think about all of the players he's going to have to play against this season coming up. He's going to have to guard Damian Lillard, Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul, John Wall. In some cases, back to back to back to back. Isaiah Thomas. You know, there's a lot of great point. The point guard position is the most competitive, the most stacked in the NBA. Can he defend that position at a high level? Can he operate against that position in the high level and kind of orchestrate the offense? That's a huge question that I think if anybody tells you they know for a fact, they're lying because we just haven't seen it. Um, it and I, Me personally, that's the biggest question I have for him. I really don't know that, and I'm very curious to watch training camp with an eye towards that. What is his defensive upside? I just finished about thirty minutes of you know not much, but about thirty minutes of watching his pick and roll defense, and uh, we're going to get into that here in a little bit. But I think um, I, I think he he plays hard. He's got length, um, but there's some some weaknesses to it that I, I I think really really step out. And I think pick and roll defense is by far the most important. The ability to kind of fight over screens and contain. Um, the offense and pick-and-roll is the number one thing a point guard must do defensively. Can he create his own shot consistently? This is one that I think some people, I think a lot of fans believe they know. I personally don't know this. He obviously has a lot of great moves. He's got great footwork and, and a great shot. But I don't know that he has the speed, obviously not the height, and in the athleticism, he's a super athlete when it, in terms of like dunking and jumping and just empty gym. It doesn't always translate driving to the basket, kind of similar to Emmanuel Moutier. um The explosiveness isn't always there on drives. So I'm going to get into that in a little bit. So can he create his own shot? And that will be kind of the difference between is he, you know, is his upside Kyrie Irving, who is just one of the best at creating his own shot. Or is his upside, you know, maybe somebody more like Lou Williams, who Kevin Durant alluded to when when talking about him. Um, And Lou Williams creates his own shot quite a bit. That's kind of what he does. But uh, I I think Jamal Murray at this point is a really, really, really good off-ball player or has projects to be a really, really, really good off-ball player. Um, So so that'll kind of be an interesting thing to watch. How much can he create his shot on ball? Um, And then can he balance creating his own shot with letting his shot come to him? This is this is coming into last year was probably my biggest question about him when I was doing scouting and watching uh, him at uh, Kentucky was is he going to be able to uh, I, I I looked at him as at risk of being a gunner, a guy that kind of doesn't, doesn't know the difference between a good shot and a bad shot. And I don't think that was true last year at all. I think he was very good at playing in with it, within it himself, but there still are, there's still a ways to go. I think for a rookie, he's ahead of the curve for an NBA player. He still has more to go, but, um, You know That'll be a big question with him, just to what degree can he balance, this is my time, the the team needs me to kind of push the envelope versus we're going to get a good shot anyway. And that's a theme. This is the third one I've done of these player profiles. That's a theme with this team because I think they're better than most teams collectively at staying within the lines and staying within themselves and working to get a good shot. But it's so important to them because – as I keep mentioning, they've got Nikola Jokic, they've got Paul Millsap. They've got these guys that orchestrate a very efficient offense if you just allow it to come to you. Um, the only thing you can do to kind of make the Nuggets a bad offensive team this year, in my opinion, is to take bad shots. If, they just, if they're patient and work it, they'll get good ones. So that's a big question going forward. And now, insurance-minded speeches from GEICO. Hardship. My grandmother would go through it every month to pay her insurance bill. Let's get into his player profile because it's a really interesting one. Um, This is again going off of Synergy data, um, Synergy Synergy Sports, which is awesome. I'm loving it so much. I can't, uh, uh, unbelievable. Uh, Pick and roll scoring. He's in the 62 percentile, 62nd percentile. I was kind of amazed by that. I was surprised. That's very encouraging for him. Um, and I'm and I, I'm going to go into some of the details about what's even more interesting about the pick and roll scoring. But to have a pick and roll playmaker, the Nuggets are going to run their DHO heavy offense. They're you know two pin downs on the weak side, guys coming off screens and making plays. That's going to be kind of the meat and potatoes of the offense. But having a third sort of creator, maybe not this year, but in years down the line, that you put the ball in his hands and now run pick and roll with anybody. That's that's going to be a, a really big deal. So I think he projects better than players like Gary Harris, for example, at at becoming a great pick and roll with the ball in his hands player. Sixty two percentile for a rookie, very good spot up shooter. Thirty six percentile. I think this is hilarious to me because if there's one area where I think Jamal Murray is almost certain to be an above average player, it's as a spot up shooter. Um, and not just spot up shooter, but kind of a you know attacking closeouts, e- either knocking the shot down when you have enough space, or if you don't have enough space, attacking closeouts. And he was below average, thirty six percentile, and eighteen percent of his offense came off of spot up. So. I think this year this is the number one thing that increases for him is his spot-up shooting and his open shooting. I would be surprised if he was less below one point per possession on spot-ups, and I think he's going to get a lot of opportunities. For me, the biggest area for growth for him this year is on these shots, and rookies just by and large. Even if you practice taking threes, I think you struggle with the NBA three-point shot just because it's a different distance. Even you know guys like Lonzo Ball, who took a, a lot of really long three-point shots in college, I think even he's going to struggle this year, just because it's one of those things that you have to kind of get used to, uh, just the exact spot around the court that 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 three point line is. So, I think he. I think that's uh, of all the things I feel most confident about. I think he's going to be a well above average spot up shooter this this upcoming season. Transition. This is the most interesting one, or I, I said that for the last one. So I'll, this is the second most interesting one. Transition. Fifteenth percentile. Horrible. As the ball handler in transition, meaning when he was running the break, ninth percentile with a 19 percent turnover rate. Again, this isn't surprising. The NBA transition is the fastest play—you know, the fastest play type in basketball. And when you're a rookie transitioning to the NBA game, it's not a surprise that transition is what you're going to struggle with. I don't know the exact numbers, but I would guess that that is probably pretty uh, consistent with most rookies across the board. That they that. Transition offense is where they rate the lowest and 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 they kind of catch up. So you think about it, the Nuggets, they're not a run-and-gun team where they're looking to run the break, but they do push the pace. They like to push the ball up the court. He's going to have to improve his ball handling, his decision-making, um, and his shooting. A lot of the the misses this year, interestingly enough, came on the break where you know, either when he was running it, obviously a lot of turnovers, but when somebody else was running it and he runs to the wing and shoots, he, he shot really poorly in those situations as well. So I, I think that's another area that he's going to improve this year, but he's going to have to improve by a lot because the Nuggets are going to need him to sort of push the pace but stay in control, not take bad shots, but still you know the nuggets have their their unicorns in primarily nikola jokic but also paul millsap the more you can create mismatches in transition the more the nuggets are going to be able to exploit you so he's got to be able to play fast but play in control and really just up all of his percentages across the board that's if you want to look at sort of a an area to say okay this is a, a, a something to be nervous about transition offense is going to be one of them cuz he has so much room for growth there Now into the good stuff, off-screen, 58th percentile. The Nuggets run this a lot. I think they're going to run it even more now with Paul Millsap. There's a lot of interesting offensive sets I think they can do with, you know, Jokic with the ball on the strong side into a DHO, and then on the weak side you've got a, a double pin down with Millsap as that second screener and guys coming off. I think... He, he's going to really have to not really have to improve. I think he's going to improve. These are tailor made for his style of offense and 58th percentile is really good for a rookie. I think it's going to stay the same or even go up. And certainly over the course of his career, I think he's just going to be very, very good at this handoffs 74th percentile. This is obviously the staple of the Nuggets offense, the dribble handoff. I think it's very encouraging. Again, this is one of the things that I think separates him from Gary Harris is he's just a little bit more comfortable coming off that handoff and making a play, Um, not necessarily like a wide-open lane to the basket, but operating – Uh, you know, in the paint and then finding an open shot or finding an open passing lane, although Gary Harris might surprise me. He surprised me a little bit in the second half with his ability to make plays out of there. But I think Jamal Murray certainly can be a guy that makes plays out of that. Off of cuts, 70th percentile, very good cutter, underrated cutter, I think, amongst Nuggets fans last year because he was, you know, Gary Harris got all the attention for what a great cutter is, and rightfully so. I think he's the best cutter on the team. But Jamal Murray, not far behind. And I'm wondering if... An interesting thing is when you play with people, you kind of steal their moves, you steal their tendencies, you learn from them. And I wonder if Jamal Murray – he was a good cutter in, in college, so I think he already had a nice foundation here. But I wonder how much like he kind of sees what Gary Harris is so successful at playing with Jokic and just understands – has has really – had a, a nice crash course and how and when to cut and the timing and everything. So I think his cuts, I'm not surprised at all that he's 70th percentile. I think that'll stay the same, if not improve. And then isolation, surprisingly enough, 73rd percentile. But this is a great chance to kind of illustrate the differences here, because when we say percentile, I think fans have a tendency to think, Oh, okay. Your 70th percentile here, your 70th percentile there, you know, this is equal, but it's not off. Uh, let's see. Isolations. Let me hop over to the offensive end here on on, on synergy. Uh, offensively, when you're coming off of a screen and or I'm sorry, if you're coming off of a handoff and you're the 74th percentile, that's 1.01 points per possession, which is pretty good. If you're a cut uh, on cuts, 70th percentile is 1.35 points per possession. Just it's the most efficient play type to to score out of is off of cuts. And generally speaking, if you receive a pass on a cut, it's because you got open. So and then isolation seventy third percentile point nine four points per possession, so even though he's an above average isolation player the just just the efficiency of those t- play types is much lower than you know your finishing plays your cuts your your handoffs and off screen so i think and I think he does a good job of balancing these things, but I just go to go to point that out that it's not that he needs to be isolating more it's just that he's efficient when he does, which i think is the the right way to kind of look at that. Now, interesting. Let's talk about spot ups because his spot up numbers were really bad—thirty-six percentile—and I wanted to get, you know, try to get into the teeth of it. And this is where synergy is really, really cool. Uh, I can look at all of the different types of of plays, settles for jumpers, gets into the mid range, you know, gets to the rim, etc. And I ended up watching quite a bit of film on him um, going left versus going right. And here's what is interesting: going left. He is in the 72nd percentile on efficiency going right. He is in the zero percentile zero among the worst players in the entire NBA at going to his right off of spot ups. Now, spot ups. I think a lot of people think of, okay, isn't a spot up a shot? The the way synergy and I didn't know this till kind of looking at the the film, the way synergy breaks down spot up types is basically receiving a pass, um, you know, a kick-out pass or, or a swing pass or whatever when the defense has to kind of close out for you. You're in spot-up situations. So even if you're in a spot-up situation and you take a dribble or two or three and and make a move out of it to attack the defender, that's still considered a spot-up, which makes sense. What else would you call it? It's not really an isolation. You're attacking a uh, a scrambled defense. Um, so it's kind of neat. So you get to see, you know, you can break it down into different types, driving straight, driving left, driving right, um, pull up no-dribble Jump shot one dribble two dribble jump shot You can kind of break it down to a lot of ways But I just want to go off of going left and going right because the the gap is so wide 72 percentile going left zero percentile going going right now My first thought when I saw this was I wonder how much this has to do with the groin injury because remember he had the hernia Issue I think they said two sports hernias or something like that. isn't incredible and I wonder how much of that, if if it was one side or the other, I, I've never had a hernia. I really don't know how they affect you. But if it was one side or the other, it makes sense that maybe pushing off of one leg versus the other, it gives a little bit more pain, even if it's not the kind of pain that's front of your mind, it just weakens you a little bit so that you don't get the same kind of explosion. But clearly with such a difference, it's either an issue of an injury concern or it's just a comfort, you know, he's... He's done so many more reps in his life doing one or the other. He's more comfortable with the footwork and the finishing, et cetera. Um, or it's some combination of both, which I think is probably likely. So so it's something that I think looking at is clearly something he can improve on is how to attack going right. Um, he lacked a spl- explosion attacking closeouts going to his right. So it was fun. I got to watch like 100 plays where he drove to his right and 100 plays where he drove to his left, both out of spot-ups. And you really start to see little differences, not – Actually, I would say they were pretty noticeable differences, pretty pretty significant differences. Lacked explosion, closing out, going to his right. Um, there were a lot of times where he would have a guy completely out, get uh, you know out of um, attacking too hard. Give him the shot fake, and he would kind of get him off balance enough that you think he should be able to to leave him in his dust. And then the defender would kind of just stay onto his hip, and and he would end up settling for like a contested, awkward off balance fadeaway. Um, but just wasn't able to fully get past the defender I think his favorite move going right is a one dribble and again this plays into that not being able to get past him he would often get the one dribble and then either sidestep or step back completely and try to take a, a three but again that was not getting enough separation and then you go into a sidestep and he it ends up being like a contested off the dribble shot which is one of the worst ones and he did it quite a bit sometimes he did it a, a lot of times he did it in the shot clock. Uh, But there were a lot of times when he did it kind of unforced. There was better options out there. Those are the shots that he has to eliminate. If he's going to be a starter and this Nuggets team hopes to be in the top five offensively, which I think in order to be a playoff team, they're going to have to be. They have to eliminate or he has to eliminate those types of shots playing 30 minutes a night or 28, 32, whatever it's going to be. He can't be taking two or three of those types of shots a night because the efficiency we have the numbers. It's I think he was like two for 32 or something on those types of step backs. He has to eliminate them. Um, He can sure work to improve them and end a shot clock, whatever any shot goes. But they should that should be looked at by him as sort of a last resort type shot. He settles, going right, settles for a jumper 52% of the time, which is high. I think going to the left, it was something like 40%. So when I say settles for the jumper, it's probably already misleading. I'm already misleading you to what to think. But just just knowing 52% of the time that he drives right, he ends up not getting to the cup. He ends up taking some kind of one dribble pull-up, whereas it's about 12% less going the other direction, which is a noticeable gap. I think that's enough to say that there's a tendency there. And then... Interestingly enough, I don't think he operates really well in tight spaces going to his right for whatever reason, and this is again a hint that the footwork maybe is is a, a piece of the puzzle here because, um, you know, he would in the times he would beat the first de- defender or get get that defender on the hip as he closed out then there would be an opportunity for him to kind of make little moves. Kyrie Irving is the king of this, where he gets to gets down super low, does a nice little 2-3 dribble crossover type move, and is able to kind of split the defense, uh, split defenders, or get into tight spaces and operate. Manu Ginobili, another one who I think is just phenomenal at this. Once he beats his first defender, he's just so good at kind of you know, it's like a bunch of people in an elevator and he's navigating through everyone. That's the, the that's where I think going right, especially he really struggled with. And he's got a great handle. He's got s- some nice flair with the ball in his hands. And I think he's going to be above average finisher at the rim. But I think, um, you know, going right. He just tended to turn it over a, a lot more um, navigating those tight spaces. He was a completely different player going to the left and and watching it is kind of interesting to see because I think if you think back a lot of the highlight plays that Jamal Murray had this year that you kind of look at and go man this kid is special you know plays where he's driving to the rim he starts his gather and then he will give that like uh Jason Williams fake pass brings it back in and then goes to like kind of a reverse I I I think if you watched a lot of Jamal Murray last year you remember these types of plays and those were almost all going left which I think is interesting because It's like how some players can only euro step going a certain way. Um, I I think he has a lot of moves that he's only good at going to his left and finishing with his left. So it was just kind of interesting to see. He looked a lot more, there was a lot more flair on his drives when he was driving to his left. He also uses his shoulder really, really well once he's gained a step going left. So I talked about how when he was going right, a lot of times he would get a defender on the hip, but then he wouldn't be able to create such a separation. When he's going to his left, he did a really good job of, kind of putting his shoulder into the defender and just kind of pushing them, gaining even more, uh, you know, shielding them basically from the ball so that all they could do was either foul or completely back off. He did a really good job of that going to his left. And then lastly, I think the gap, when you talk about 12% more likely to go to his left than to his right, I think a lot of times he forced it to the left and he had a handful of turnovers going left where it was very clear that the defense was either giving him the right or was not in position to recover if he went right, but he would still go left, which I think kind of tells you he has a a, a comfort level there going left. So that's something to keep an eye on. And again, it might be as simple as, You know, he was in pain last year going to his right, and that's why he wound up in the zero percentile uh, attacking defenders going to his right. But it's something to keep an eye on, certainly something I have – I did not know before I started researching for this, and after going through the film, I think it was very obvious. So something to kind of keep an eye on. Defensively, um, going through the film, I thought guarding the pick and roll, he does a – really, he competes. I think more so than Jameer, certainly more so than Emmanuel – He competes on pick and rolls, and he wasn't really high in the efficiency. I think he was right around league average for point guards defending the pick and roll, which I guess for the Nuggets is, like, great. Um, But but there are some things that I think he's going to have to work on slash I'm not sure – if it's going to be an upside issue or something. And one of those is he's kind of takes wide angles going through the screen and he's kind of slow to react against scoring point guards. I think guys like CJ McCollum, it'll be interesting to see how he guards him this year because guys like that that are really good at kind of one, one move, not like complex move, but just kind of give a jab step, then go off of the screen um, and create separation and get a shot off. He does a really good, a really poor job, in my opinion, of, of contesting those. He plays hard, he stays focused, and the longer a person is making a move against him, the better he is. But those kind of quick moves, he just gets out-quicked, I think, trying to fight through the screens and fight over the screens. Um, he's got long arms, and he does a pretty good job of contesting. One of the things you have to do to be a great... Uh, pick and roll defender at the guard position is keep your hands active and in the passing lanes. Joe Ingles, I think, is among the best players in the league at doing this. I think Utah must really hammer this issue home because George Hill was great at it as well. But when you, if you just picture a point guard defender, picture Jamal Murray. Coming off of, you know, the screener hits him and he's trying to fight through. First, you have to kind of like slither your way and make yourself as narrow as possible to kind of get over that screen without taking a long angle. But then you have to immediately get your hands off to try to shield off one half of the court because you can't recover immediately, especially if they turn the point guard turns the corner hard and starts attacking, the best you could do is try to take away the easy angle for the drop off to the roll man. Um, typically the center your defensive partner or the center there will will be active and try to uh, corral keep keep the point guard from getting all the way to the rim. So if you can get your hands high and contest, then you can you can buy yourself an extra half second to recover. Jamal Murray I think does a pretty good job of this he keeps his hands pretty active and in the passing lanes when players go up for shots he does a good job of trying to contest or at least um, get the hands up to distract and and make them think twice which I think is a good thing he's just gonna have to get a lot lot quicker I think and I don't know if he can Um, again who knows what his athletic upside we just haven't seen enough of him to really know one way or another so when I say I don't know if he can I don't I don't mean to cast doubt on it other than to just say, we need more. We need a much bigger sample size with him. Okay, onto the projected stats for uh, Jamal this year. I think minutes per game, I'm, I'm a little bit more conservative about these things than I think most are. Uh, I think he's going to be somewhere around 28 or 29 minutes. Um, and last year, uh, per game, he was right around, let me see, 21 and a half so it doesn't seem like it's a huge a huge bump up but I think uh, I think that's the starting point guard this year. I think the starting point guard plays 28 minutes a game and I think that'll be him. So uh it it's a it's a little bit of a bump up for him and a meaningful bump up those 7 minutes but I don't think I think some people think he's going to walk right into like 31 32 minutes per game and I don't think that'll be I don't think that'll be the case. And I don't think it should be the case quite frankly. One of the ways I look at Jamal is He's 19 or 20 years old. He, I I think a lot of people think, okay, rookie year out of the way, now you're on to your career, as if like the rookie year is the only year that you kind of grow as a player or the like big, you know. I, I just think people, it's too much too soon. So I think 28 minutes per game this year would probably be ideal for him, both for him and for the team. And uh, I think there's still a lot he can do there. I think around 14.5 points per game. Um, which is another bump up but from about 10. That's at 4.5 more points per game. Rebounds per game around 4, not a huge bump up there. Assists per game 3.5, that is a pretty big bump up. I think Milsap and Jokic are going to be doing so much of the assisting on this team that none of the guards are going to stick out too much in the, the assist category. But most important of all, 3-point focal percentage, I think he's going to be right around three thirty-seven and a half. Uh, which is a big bump up for him. And f- at, at around five per game, which is pretty high volume. Not that many players in the NBA attempt that many. I think he's going to get a lot of three point shots. I think the Nuggets want him to take a lot of three point shots. And I think he's going to knock down a lot. So, you know, if he can knock down two threes a game, roughly, you know, somewhere right around there, that's going to be big. And true shooting percentage around 55%. Again, kind of, you know, not super high. I, I don't think he's going to become the super efficient player in year two. But I think it'll be a, a, a move in the right direction. So I think that's kind of what to expect from, from Jamal. And I'm excited about him. I really am excited about him long term. I just think the process is going to be a little bit slower um, than I think a lot of analysts, Nuggets analysts and a lot of Nuggets fans want and hope. But that's just the nature of the game. This is the best league in the world, and he still has a long way to go. But I think his future is very, very bright and hopefully very, very bright here in Denver. Thanks so much for listening. I'm out of here. I'm going to be on vacation for the next 5 days, so I won't have anything until next Monday or Tuesday. But, you know, that's that's the lead up to training camp, so uh, things are going to be picking up more and more. I got to get a vacation now while I have the time because it's a long a long grind. Thanks so much for listening in everybody. We'll be back soon. Thanks for listening to the Locked on Nuggets podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com.